Here's the opening sentence to a piece that caught our eye the other day in the National Post. Quote, after staring down the provinces for months, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met with the premiers last week to unveil the most oversold, underwhelming health fund deal in Canadian history. This under the heading Trudeau Bucks Health Care Reform in favor of the failed policies of his liberal predecessor. The author was uh, in the National Post, written by Dr. Sean Watley, a practicing physician and the author of a book called When Politics Comes Before Patients, Why and How Canadian Medicare is Failing. Dr. Sean Watley joins us from Mount Albert, Ontario. Dr. Watley, good morning. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Good morning. Well, it's good to have you with us, Sean. We appreciate your time on a Sunday morning. A very interesting uh, analogy that you've drawn. You've managed to connect the dots between Justin Trudeau and Paul Martin, and you go back to 2004 for the Martin deal. What similarities are there uh, in the recent officer, offer rather, from Mr. Trudeau uh, compared to what Mr. Martin had 25-some years ago? Well, we all remember Paul Martin's promise of, quote, a fix for a generation, right? He dumped in $41.3 billion and said, all right, everybody, don't worry. Healthcare is going to be just fine. Look at all this money. And it turned out not to be true. Most of that money went to doctors and nurses' salaries. Mm -hmm. Now, in fairness, they had been cut for years, but it didn't really change care for patients. And that's the core issue. Well, of course, and and as I recall, and it's been a while, but as I recall, uh, there was a a lot of emphasis at that time was placed on wait times, if I'm not mistaken, and there wasn't a great deal of affected change because of the $41 billion infusion of money. As you say, a lot of it went to compensation. Well, there were some changes, and so we have to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. Certainly, MRI, wait times for MRIs, CAT scans, cataract surgery, and joint replacement. However, what he introduced was this thing known as strings attached. Right. And so this is the issue of the federal government wanting to call the shots while only paying a tip on the total bill for the meal, right? They pay about 22 cents on the dollar currently, but they feel they have the right to dictate what the provinces do when it comes to health care. Federal provincial negotiations about health funding are a battle over money and control. I'm quoting you again, Dr. Watley. The provinces want more money. The feds want more control. The provinces want funding increases with little or no accountability. The federal government wants increased power while paying a fraction of the costs. There's the tension. There's the the dynamic that has so many of the premiers reluctantly accepting the deal while grumbling and grousing a lot in the process, right? Well, absolutely. And if you'll notice in the deal, there's a $25 billion keep your mouth shut side deal. And that's me paraphrasing, obviously. The the Fed said clearly, listen, there's going to be $25 billion set aside for side deals. So in other words, if the provinces dare to say anything bad about this deal in the public, they're going to compromise that $25 billion. And so that's why we're not hearing that much grumbling. Mm -hmm. I would have expected a lot more. So then uh, is this a case of the provinces understanding, I suppose, Dr. Watley, that Bottom line, either we accept this or, or we're not going to get anything at all. 
Well, absolutely. And on the other hand, too, if you look at the actual targets they're talking about, they're 20 vague statements, modernizing healthcare. What the heck does that mean? Really, anything would qualify for that. And so I think the provinces are saying, listen, there's money on the table, better take it and run, and we'll live to fight another day. So let's go to the title of the book that we uh, mentioned that you've written, When Politics Comes Before Patients, Why and How Canadian Medicare is Failing. Would you consider this recent health deal, and it's a matter of a few days old, Dr. Watley, to be precisely what you meant with the title of that book? Well, absolutely. This negotiation solves a problem for government, right? It makes a major problem and headache that's been brewing for two years go away. Finally, the, the, the federal government, the prime minister met with the premiers. And so now everybody should be happy. But does this improve care for patients? That's what we need to keep at the center of the discussion. And let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's expand the discussion, Sean, to talk about what sort of remedies you would have preferred the, uh, the, the mutual discussions to arrive at. In other words, what would you have preferred to see the feds come to the table with in the first place? Well, before I, I have three things that I'm going to tell you right now, having said that, my caveat is that we can't plan our way out of a problem that came about by planning, right? Central planning got us into this mess, right. and a new plan is not going to do a better job. Having said that, three things very quickly. Number one, we need to look at governance. Who do patients hold accountable when they don't get care? Is it the feds? Is it the provinces? Is it your local hospital? Number two, we need to emphasize life and limb care. Mental health is part of that. Get back to the basics. Really emphasize and expand those services. Number three, we need to reconsider whether whether everything we offer now is really considered an essential service. So it's a discussion about appropriateness. Governance, basics and appropriateness. Get at those three things. Well, if you're talking about governance and who's really ultimately responsible for my care, if you scratch a typical Canadian, Dr. Watley, and you you give them the option of the feds, or is it your province, or is it the local hospital, what do you think a typical Canadian response is going to be? Well, it depends if they're at the bedside or not. So if they're at the bedside or they're lying in the bed, they're going to say it's their own doctors and nurses. Having said that, they'll very quickly jump to blame the provinces. But we have a problem of connecting management and politics intimately together. The politicians are stressed about what the managers do at the hospital level or the local level. The managers at the hospital level are continually worried about making sure their political overseers are happy. We have to separate management and politics, which leads back to the title of my book. Indeed. So let's talk a little bit about management, because now we're learning in terms of the money we spend, the bang for the health care buck that Canadians get when we compare ourselves and our spending habits to fellow members of the G7 or the G20, and you look at European models like Germany, for example, with roughly twice our population, and for everyone, this is zooming in specifically on those managers you were talking about, Sean, for every one manager in the German system, there are seven in the Canadian system. We're a little top-heavy with bureaucrats, and that is, uh, that's an, a built-in problem with the Canadian system. How do you fix that? <laughs> and we have two hours for this show, right? <laughs> so, but do you recognize so, that as, as a, a real part of the problem? 
Well, definitely. That's a part of the problem. And there's also the problem of of us not having enough basic resources. You mentioned Germany. They have eight hospital beds per 1,000 population. Canada has around two beds per one, maybe as high as 2.5, depending on how you count the beds. But we're way below the OECD OECD average of 4.7. So we're short on resources, heavy on bureaucracy. But in fairness, hospitals need those bureaucrats so that they can fill out applications to get more funding from the provinces. And so around and around it goes. Uh, yes. When it comes to the next federal election, how critical do you think, because it's always top three uh, in terms of priorities for any voter at any federal election, how critical do you think health care and, and management or a lack of management of same is going to be as an election issue? Healthcare is always a top three concern for Canadians, but it drops to the bottom out of a top 10 when you ask, will it change your vote? Mm. That changed in September with the Ipsos Reid poll. All of a sudden, we see affordability at 40% for Canadians and healthcare at 35% for changing their vote. And this is what has got government's attention at all levels. For the first time, perhaps in the last 10 or 15 years, Canadians are considering that health care may, in fact, impact their voting patterns. Interesting stuff. And of course, a shared pandemic experience, probably ultimately very healthy for Canadian democracy down the road. We may look back on this experience and go, well, thank goodness we went through that because at least we were able to use it to fix things. You're a glass half full kind of guy, Sterling. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you on the program, Dr. Watley. Great to, to, to speak to you, and I do appreciate your time on a Sunday morning, sir. My pleasure. Have a great weekend.